Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year. Then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this, as you can probably guess if you're listening to this, from the mobile Sully Baseball Studio, also known as my car, driving through the streets of Palo Alto, California on a rainy night. And as I'm driving in the streets of Palo Alto, you can probably hear the windshield wipers going. I'll soon be driving past Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. It's drizzling rain, which means call FEMA. It's raining in California. Call the National Guard! because that's how you operate here in California. When water falls from the sky, that's what happened. We've been getting a lot of rain this year. And thank goodness for that, because we've been having our butts kicked by this drought. So, I'm, you know, I'm all for rain. And your pal Sully, you know, pines romantically for the Pacific Northwest. And so when I have a day like this, I have all the advantages of living in California. And it feels like I'm in Oregon. But that being said, it's a lot of traffic here in Palo Alto. When you're stuck in traffic, there's a couple things you can do. And one thing I can do is rest my iPhone right here on the dashboard and record myself a podcast. Because that is how your pal Sully rolls. Today, literally, that's how I'm rolling. It's 2017. Now, something hit me the other day. This is, I, I've done four straight years of podcasts every single day, blah, da, 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 da. But I started Sully Baseball, the, the entity, I, I hate to use the word brand, but the, 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 the entity of Sully Baseball began in 2006. I've been doing some form of Sully Baseball for 11 years. It started simply as a blog because I was writing long baseball emails to my friends and enough of them wrote to me saying, we don't care. Write a blog. Maybe someone who cares will read it. And I started writing it and I started picking at it. And then in the off season, I wouldn't do piddly poo. And then 2007, I did the whole season. But then that off season, I kind of left it alone. And then 2008 was really the year that I said, I'm going to do this all the time. And I did something in the off season and I really haven't started. And so there's been, I think you can probably count on a hand, the number of days since the beginning of 2000 and there's the beginning of the 2008 season that there wasn't some form of Sully baseball, whether it was a blog post or a podcast. We all know since... Uh, you know, since the end of October of 2012, there's been a podcast every day. But I was just thinking about that. That was like, you know, I started it towards the beginning of the 2006 World Series. And then I did the whole season of 2007, which was one of the years that the Red Sox won the World Series. And I, you know, it's so funny that I say it like that. Because for so many years, the idea of one World Series title belonging to Boston seemed like it was beyond, it, beyond the, the realm of metaphysics. And now, 
we can, Red Sox fans can pick which title we like the most. And is this being the 10th anniversary of the 2007 world champion Red Sox, I, I really got to start to think about that team and how I think that our emotions and sentimentality of that team has, it, it's, it's far from the most loved team in Boston history. Uh, it was the beginning of the piling on of Boston titles when you had several Patriots titles and now a couple of Red Sox titles and then the Celtics won a title, you know, and then the, you know that started to start to be an embarrassment of riches. You know, you ask any Red Sox fan who's old enough, I'm sure you're know, using the rule of seven, if you're born in 2000 and you're a Red Sox fan, you don't really remember the 2004 World Championship, but you would remember the 2007 title. So, I mean, everyone, everyone born after 2000 is probably a little too young to remember the, the 04. Man, when you think about that, that means there, there's high, high schoolers in Massachusetts who look at 2004 and say, yeah, that's a little before my time. But for those of us who are old enough to remember all three titles, clearly the 04 title is the one that we cling to the most because... It was the first one. It meant vanquishing the Yankees. It was so dramatic. It was otherworldly. And I think the 2013 title would probably come second. I think because it was so unexpected, uh, there were some iconic moments, especially the, the, the bullpen cop jumping up and down. And it came in the wake of the, the marathon bombing in 2013 and David Ortiz saying, this is our fucking city and everything like that. Ray, I hope you don't mind. I, I swore there. But the, you know, 2007, you know, kind of, it's, it's a strange team in terms of sentimentality for Red Sox fans. I, I think you can make a compelling argument that there are teams that did not win the World Series that were probably more loved than the 2007 Red Sox who won the whole kit and also the caboodle. I mean, when you look at the teams that I grew up rooting for, like, um, you know, the, the 78, the 75 and 78 Red Sox, you know, 75 was a little bit before my time. Obviously, I don't remember that. I remember 78. I didn't remember the ins and outs of a pennant race, but that was a team that had Fisk, Yaz, Remy, Burleson, Hobson, Rice, Lynn, Evans, George Scott, uh, Dennis Eckersley, Bill Lee, Luis Tiant. I mean, it was loaded with beloved Red Sox. You look at the team in 86 that came so close you know, that had, you know, besides Boggs and Rice, the Hall of Famers, and Clemens, let's face it, who belongs in the Hall of Fame, also had players like, you know, Barrett, Oil Camp Boyd, Rich Gedman, Evans, uh, Hend- Dave Henderson, uh, you know, the, they're just beloved players in Red Sox history. And the Morgan Magic, I mean, Morgan Magic had Walpole Joe Morgan managing it, and a combination of Older players like Rice, like Evans, like Hurst, you know, Boggs was still there, Clemens was still there, and an influx of youth with 
the likes of Jody Reed, the likes of Ellis Burks, the likes of Mike Greenwell. I look at that, that 1998 team that had Pedro, Nomar, and Mo Vaughn, the one year that all three of them played together. You know, if any one of those teams had won the World Series, obviously they would be the most beloved team of all time because they would have been the one to break the curse. But they also were all players that I felt that people had a warmer feeling towards some of those players than some of the ones in that 07 team. You know, the team in 04 was a bunch of mercenaries. I mean, we, let's not forget the fact that the team that won in 04 was comprised almost entirely, with the exception of Trot Nixon. Almost everyone was acquired in trades or via free agency. Now, you have to put a slight caveat on that in a way because, you know, Derek Lowe and Jason Varitek were acquired as minor leaguers, and so they, they played their rookie years as Red Sox and seemed like Red Sox for life, but they were acquired at deals. And everyone else was kind of you know, they kind of patchworked the team together. And when the Red Sox won in 2013, which is just, again, we love that team for what they represent. The players on that team were almost all vagabonds. I mean, think about some of the players who were picked up and are go- they were already gone. Koji was picked up. Napoli was picked up. Victorino was picked up. Steven Drew was picked up. Johnny Gomes was picked up. Like, they were all, like, mixed and match. It was one of the things that made the team kind of lovable was that they were a bunch of kind of vagabonds slapped together. But at the same time, we were just getting to know them. And you think about those players who were Red Sox lifers, who played their whole careers with the Red Sox and, and year in and year out with the Red Sox and didn't get to win. And Johnny Gomes did with a year and a half in Boston. And Shane Victorino gets to become a postseason hero several times over. And they were, it was all, they were all kind of vagabonds. Yeah, there were some homegrown players, of course. Pedroia was on the team. Uh, Ellsbury was on the team. Lester was on the team. Buckholz was on the team. Uh, and you had young players like, you know, Xander Bogarts was on that team. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. was on the team. He didn't play in the playoffs, but he was a part of that team. So, yeah, there were homegrown players, and some of those players remain on the team as they are now a playoff team again. But when you think about the Red Sox in 2007, the world champion Red Sox of 2007, they they had a bigger homegrown quality to them. You know, Euclid was homegrown. Pedroia was homegrown. Ellsbury was homegrown. Lester was homegrown. Buckholz, who didn't play in the playoffs, but he threw a no-hitter that year, was a part of the team, was homegrown. Papelbaum was homegrown. Manny Del Carmen was homegrown. There were a lot of a lot more players who contributed to that team who were products of the Red Sox farm system than the teams that won in 2004 and 2013. And yet, when you look at the team and you look at like beloved Red Sox from that squad, they're not as many as you'd think for a team that won a World Series title in Boston. A lot of players on that team left not on the best terms. It's hard to leave on worse terms than Manny Ramirez did. 
And again, I love Manny Ramirez. He's one of my favorite players of all time. And he was on my Hall of Fame ballot. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big lover of Manny Ramirez. But it was time for him to go. By the time he's, he's trying to beat up old men, yeah, I think it's time to go. I think you've snapped your cap, Manny. But, you know, it didn't end well with Euclid. Now he was it was never with the fans. It was him clashing with Bobby Valentine and management not being thrilled with him. Okay? That was you know, Euclid will get a big standing ovation, but it did end well with him there. Same with John Lester, who again always was loved by the fans. But you know, he was off packaged away. It didn't end well with Clay Buckholtz, who again was part of the twenty thirteen team, was a big part of the twenty thirteen team. But when he got traded away to Philadelphia last month, it was like, you know, sayonara. Adios. Arrivederci. Don't let the door hit the ass your ass on the way out. It didn't end well with Theo. It didn't end well with Terry Francona. He left on bad terms with the team. And think about some of the other players. How could it get worse than the terms that Josh Beckett when he left people were dying to get rid of Josh Beckett he was like public enemy number one do you remember how he was in 2007 he was a freaking god there was a t-shirt that I believe it was Sully's Tees which is a uh, not, I'm not affiliated with them who are who make real good Boston t-shirts if I'm not mistaken and my good friend Melissa will will <clears throat> back me up because she modeled a few of them she's a nice looking woman I believe one of their shirts said, who died and made you Josh Beckett? That's the way people thought about him in 2007. And by the time he left, he was just one of the jerks chugging beer and eating fried chicken. It didn't end well. Was Julio Lugo ever a beloved Boston Red Sox? He's got a World Series ring. Made some great defensive plays in the World Series. Got some big hits in that postseason. Is anyone going to remember that? You know? Jacoby Ellsbury got some of the biggest hits in the World Series. Is anyone going to remember that? You know, the, who got the final out? And you could make the argument, I, I think the, the most valuable player that postseason was Josh Beckett because he was pitching on a different level. But Jonathan Papelbon, Jonathan Papelbon was tremendous. Jonathan Papelbon shut down the Angels, shut down Cleveland. Remember how good Cleveland was that year? Shut down Colorado. The final image of the 2007 baseball season was Papelbon throwing his glove up in the air and a little bit of a stage celebration. But that was Papelbon. Remember how we, we used to love him doing his little Irish jig while they played the music from The Departed? You know, shipping out to Boston. They'd play that. He was a badass. The last image we had of Papelbon was walking off the mound in Baltimore as the great collapse of 2011 became complete. He goes off to Philadelphia, becomes hated in Philadelphia, goes off and chokes, tries to choke Bryce Harper. And the, the Nationals say, we'd rather cut the guy leading our team in saves than have him pitch down the stretch for us. 
And now Papelbon is one of these people you look at, oh man, what a jerk he is, everything like that. He was the hero of the postseason. And now wait a minute, what other great Red Sox postseason hero who made his final appearance in the major leagues winning game two of the 2007 World Series? That's Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling. A man who was a Boston god with a bloody red sock and everything like that. A guy who had etched himself into New England folklore. Walked off the mound in 2007, Game 2, with the Red Sox with the lead. Got the win in the World Series for his final you know, his final major league appearance. And he's now reduced to being old man Schillen sitting on the front porch yelling at people and screaming at comets. This is the reunion. J.D. Drew. Remember J.D. Drew? I hated J.D. Drew when he was with St. Louis, L.A., and Atlanta. I thought he was a guy who was overrated by sabermetrics, was always hurt. And when he was the Red Sox recording him, I did everything but have a candlelight vigil to have the Red Sox not sign him. And when he signed him, he was exactly the player I thought he was going to be. Have good on-base percentage, decent power, but be hurt. And I was like, you know, this guy, what, this guy's a bum, this guy's a bum. He winds up hitting that grand slam in the playoffs against Cleveland. And they wound up getting big hit after big hit and continued his big hits into 2008 when he was an all-star and had huge postseason hits, including that walk-off hit against Tampa in that amazing Game 5 of the playoffs. But by the time he was over, like Buckholtz, it was a little bit of, okay, can't wait for this contract to end. He was dead weight. And hardly the most popular guy in Boston. And look at Daisuke Matsuzaka. Remember Daisuke, who was supposed to come in and be the next greatest pitcher of all time in his first season? Was kind of, yeah, yeah it's not bad. It wasn't bad, but, you know, we could got that for a lot less than they signed him for. One game, one game seven of the league championship series, didn't you know? Only pitched into the sixth. One game three of the World Series and wound up getting an RBI single. I think he drove in two, if I'm not mistaken. I'm driving here. And in 2008, had a Cy Young caliber season and won game one of the league championship series. But what do people remember about Daisuke? That by the end he was hurt. He was, you know, his contract was considered to be a bust, and rightfully so. The Red Sox got one and a half decent seasons out of him, and that's it. And just when he left, was anyone crying when they're about to retire his number? No, it was like, oh, good. He just became another contract that they could shed from the payroll, which they ultimately did after 2012. In his final appearance, he got rocked by the Yankees. His contract was shed, and they were able to spend it on players like Gomes and Drew. So when you think about a Red Sox reunion in 2007, which it's the 10th anniversary for, that's a strange team to bring back. Because everyone left on strange terms. Now, what I hope happens with the distance and with the fact that there were some really loved players on that team. Mike Lowell, Tim Wakefield, Jason Varitek were all on that team. You know, that you know that you can look at the squad 
I hope the Red Sox fans realize that that was a team that did win it all. I'll tell you another thing that goes against 07. When you think about 04, I brought up the bloody sock game. You could bring up Dave Roberts Steele. You can bring up the Big Ortiz hits. You could bring up the A-Rod slapping the ball out of Arroyo's glove. There were so many amazing memories of 04 that David Ortiz hitting a series-ending walk-off home run to eliminate the Angels doesn't crack the top five. When you think about the Red Sox winning in 2013, there are big moments, you know, the big home run, certainly the, the cop jumping up and down, you know, Victorino's grand slam, Koji picking off uh, Colton Wong. You're going against the Red Sox. You had the the Middlebury, the 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 Middlebrook, sorry, the Middlebrook's obstruction play, and you had the the image of Koji jumping up into David Ross's arms. You have those memories. Hell, even in some years where they didn't win at all, you know, you had the Pedro throwing the six no hit innings out of the bullpen and pumping his fists. You had the Derek Lowe getting the, the final save against the A's in 03 and grabbing his junk. You had the Dave Henderson home run in 1986. You had the, the walk-off series winning hit against the Angels in 2008. And the Red Sox amazing come-from-behind victory where they were losing 7 nothing to Tampa in that year's league championship series. In those years, you had these amazing memories. What's the image that we have of 2007? Manny standing at first with a walk-off homer with his arms up in the air? I mean, the only thing I remember from that World Series was Matt Holliday getting picked off at first. I just remember the first game was like 12 nothing before I sat down on the couch. And that, you know, even though there were two one-run games, it never felt like the Rockies were in it. And even when the Red Sox were down three games to one to the Indians... I guess, I mean, the J.D. Drew Grand Slam, but it's tough to have your great postseason moment that you remember being a home run in the first inning of a non-clinching game. 2007. A strange, strange year. Because it should be one of those years in the epic, that's E-P-O-C-H, of Red Sox fandom, then you remember, said, oh man, that was one of those years that just never got better than that. As we're in the 10th year, the 10th anniversary of celebrating it. And yet it's a strange one. And it shows how spoiled we Red Sox fans are as we look forward to hoping to win the World Series in 2017 after winning the division in 2016. And we're now saying, oh, I wonder what, which title do we win? Which title do we win? If they win the World Series, this year, which some people I'm sure will pick them to do just that, that this would fall off the medal stand. When you think of the gold, silver, and bronze, this one probably wouldn't crack the top three of World Series, Red Sox World Series championships that we've seen in our lifetime. But in this 10th anniversary, Red Sox fans, let's find a reason to celebrate them. It's a strange year. It's not our favorite players. It's not our favorite memories. It's not our favorite year. It's not our favorite championship. But it was a title. And lest we forget, 
We just wanted to see one before we died. And they delivered the one that made people shut up about, hey, it was a fluke. See, in 2086 or whatever it is they were saying, nope, 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 nope. So with that in mind, 2007 Red Sox, you're a strange team, but you won it all. So this, I thank you. And for the rest of you, go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, Driving in the Rain. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, I beg you, call me Sully.